Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Maybe we need to really get ramped up for a study rather than just, what do you got today, Pastor? To be really prepared for it and to be prepared for it as well. A study also is a good companion study, what I think, to the Gospel of John, how rich and important that is. So if you're a pastor or you're going to be a pastor someday or a Bible teacher, let me just suggest to you that you might be encouraged to sometime in your life go through the book of Romans. So let me go through my seven reasons why I believe that it's important for us to learn the book of Romans and why we should have it impact our lives, why this letter should change our life. So here's number one. It is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Now, when I'm preaching the Bible, I'm going to preach the Word of God wherever I am in the Bible. So I don't want to single out Romans as the only book in the Bible. I'm just giving you some emphasis based on what other people have said through the years and the result of studying this particular book. I'm sure if we did a great background study, all the books of the Bible would have a degree of impact on a person's life. But let me go back to the Word of God here in teaching this and why I believe it's so important for me to be able to do this right now. By me going through Romans, it will protect me and thus you from me going on hobby horses and really teaching and preaching what I really like to teach about. Do you remember the old hobby horse? I don't know if some of you are old enough. Those were those little rocking horses. You'd get on this little hobby horse and you could rock. A lot of motion, but you're not going anywhere. A lot of fun while you're doing this. It's your little favorite toy that you have, but you forget there's a lot out there. And so I don't want Romans to be our hobby horse, but on the other hand, it will protect us from going into other teaching that sometimes that would be the case. Those of you that have been around Christianity long enough in preaching, you'll probably find your pastors out there that'll have their little hobby horse. It could be prophecy. It could be the inerrancy of Scripture. It seems like that's all they want to teach on. And for us, we want to learn God's Word, and it'll protect us from that. And I believe that's quite important. It also will, in my opinion, it will keep me from only preaching to your felt needs. In other words, while I know you might come in with financial problems and you might come in with relational problems and you might come in with issues about how to just do life, I get that. I have those challenges in my life too. We all do. But really the root of that might be resolved by an accurate understanding of the foundational doctrinal teachings of the book of Romans. Now let me pause and we'll do a little sidebar here. If you think you're going to come into a seminary class each Sunday, you will not. If you're going to come into a Bible college class on Sunday, you will not. I believe in life application Bible teaching. So you will have practical day-to-day experiences from God's Word in the teaching of Romans. But for you to have the proper application, it's got to be done on the proper interpretation of the proper doctrine. So it's the Word of God, and that's why we need to preach it. Number two. I have preached through Romans once, you've already heard that, and it changed my life and the life of the church and those who went on the journey with me. If you don't mind, I'd like to be personal with you. Early on, before I ever preached through the book of Romans, I had a third reason I didn't want to go through it. First was its length, the second was its depth, the third was there were some doctrines in it that I was a little bit concerned I would be able to properly interpret based on what I already thought I learned particularly doctrines taught in 
Romans 9, 10, and 11. So I shied away from it because most of the people in the church that I had really were way off on Romans 9, 10, and 11. So I jumped into the book of Romans because I felt if I would teach it, it would change my thinking, change my understanding, would grow me to a greater understanding of the teachings in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Do some reading there, you'll see why. Those are the most difficult chapters in all of the book of Romans, and some people say probably in all the New Testament. So it changed me. It changed the life of our church. Two years ago, I had the privilege, they invited me back, and that's amazing in itself, of grace, and they had me preach. And when I came back there, you wouldn't believe how many people would show me the book of Romans. Out of all the books that they have, had preached to them, the book of Romans was the most marked book in their Bible. And they would tell you their lives have never been the same since they have studied and applied the book of Romans to their life. In fact, one of them even said this, watch this, pastor. And he took his Bible and he kind of opened it up and he just threw it on the pew. They had pews in that church. And when they did, it opened up and guess where it flopped open to? Romans, all right? Now, I'm not here trying to get you to have a specially marked version of your Bible in Romans. But what I do want you to have is a deep understanding of this, and I hope that you'll go on the journey with us and that our lives will be changed. What a spiritual growth pattern that will be. And so I'm praying that it'll happen with our church here, individually and corporately. Let me give you the third reason. If you'll notice, these are actually building to a crescendo here. The first is the Word of God, and then it'll change our lives. But there's also this unique majesty to this portrait of Jesus Christ. You see, while we're going to learn the tenets of the faith, the biblical orthodoxy of Christianity, I don't want us to have just a, a book on, on doctrine. I want us to see that the doctrine are the foundational teaching, but what should happen is it should change our heart to a heart of complete expressive worship to the Lord, to Jesus Christ himself. For all this is doing is pointing to the person of Christ and who he is God and what he's done for us on the cross. And because of what he's done for us on the cross, it changes us and the result of all of that is appreciation for who he is and a worship of him. There's this wonderful majesty that we see in the portrait of Christ. If you will, for just a moment, listen to what... A more current theologian wrote, Andres Kustenberger. He said, John's gospel, together with the book of Romans, may well be considered the enduring twin towers of the New Testament. Well, I preached through John, and now we're going into Romans, so I pray that you'll stay with the course on this. Now would be a good time to take a break. Do you have your Bibles? Open to Romans chapter 1. And then Romans chapter 16. Why do I want you to take a break? Because I too want you to see the majesty of the portrait of Christ in the first paragraph and then the last paragraph of the book of Romans. So if you will, open Romans 1, Romans 16 and kind of have it open on your lap. And I'm just going to read this to you. And if you want to, please feel free to mark down how many times Jesus Christ is referred to directly or through a pronoun or some reference in the first paragraph and the last paragraph of what is often known as a doctrinal book. It is not about dead orthodoxy. It's about the living Jesus Christ. Paul, beginning in verse 1, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God 
with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom, Christ, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Last chapter, last paragraph now. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. What a benediction. According to the revelation of the mystery which was in kept secret, For long ages past, but is now manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of eternal God, has made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So while we're going to be learning these doctrines, I want you to know more than anything, we want to see the portrait of Christ, which then that leads into my fourth reason which is that I personally am hungry for Christ, and I hope you are too. I'm so hungry for Him that I want this to be a worshipful experience that we will be deeply in love with Christ. But watch this now. The correct Christ, the authentic Christ, the genuine Christ, the Christ of the Bible here. And to know that Christ, Romans is a good book in all of the Holy Writ for us to learn. Listen to some of these facts as I jotted them down. The study of Romans will lead us to a greater love for God and more fervent worship. Catch that. Greater love of God and more fervent worship. In chapter 1, Paul points to the failure to worship the one true God and the consequent improper worship as being the heart of human sin. It is not surprising then in chapter 5 when Paul begins to discuss the implications of justification that three times in the first 11 verses he says, we rejoice in God. As it reflects on the mysterious nature of God's sovereignty and security in salvation, Paul then breaks out into a doxology. Chapter 11, verse 33, and all the way to the end of that chapter is a doxology of worship to the Lord because of the sovereignty of salvation. In chapter 15, he describes Christ's work, the ingathering of the Gentiles, and the unity of the body as Christ as being the real purpose now for worship for who Christ is and what he's done to bring us together. So I'm going to give it to you in a sentence. I'm preaching Romans because I want us to be characterized by fervent, heartfelt worship. Now catch this last phrase. Worship that is not detached from profound theological truth, but actually rooted in it. You may go other places, and there'll be a lot of worship The real question is, is that worship grounded in the accuracy of God's word, especially as it's found in the doctrine of grace? Real teaching on the doctrine of grace can't help but effervescent into authentic worship of God. So now that moves us a little further past I'm hungry for Christ, and I hope you are too. So if you're coming just because you're hungry for doctrine, you may miss it. So number five is fervency in evangelism. Isn't that that interesting? It fits the motto of this church, fervency in evangelism. Remember how we begin every year. We spend a month on this one truth, and that is our intimacy with the Lord fuels our outreach for the Lord. 
And so I believe the deeper we go into this book, I believe that will fuel our outreach. And why would I say that? Listen with me just for a moment. Paul begins by saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He goes into the whole gospel. He moves into the doctrine of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. He moves into a life that's separated unto God because of an inner working of the Spirit of God within us, the transference of Christ living out His life through us. The security that we have and the worship that we have, now we want to present our lives a, a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And that springs out into being a debtor and being bold and not ashamed to get that gospel out using our spiritual gifts and the way God has made us all for the purpose so that other people can come to the accurate understanding of salvation by faith alone have a relationship with Christ love him with all their heart grow in grace and the knowledge of him and then go out and repeat the process so if this book is taught correctly it should propel us out of these walls and put us right up against other people who don't know Christ and with confidence be able to and accurately present the simple plan of salvation Here's number six. The sixth reason is a most urgent need of historical Christianity today is doctrinal clarity. And if you don't mind, I'd like to add a word to the outline that's up on the screen. While I am a real, um, I'm kind of a bugaboo about clarity, hence make it clear, I'd like to speak, though, that you can be clear. Let me say it a different way. We can be clearly incorrect. Can you catch what I'm saying? So I don't want us just to be clear, I want us to be correct. We can be very correct, but not speak in such clarity and simplicity. Therefore, how correct we are will never penetrate the thinking of a person who needs it simply stated to them. Now all of that, I want to give you the backstory of it. There is so much teaching on how to get to heaven today that will boggle your minds that is completely wrong. Now let me really boggle your minds in what we might call even Christian churches. I don't mean denominational Christian churches, but in Christian churches. If you listen today, you're going to hear everything from going to heaven is by faith alone and Christ alone for the glory of God alone. And the very next Sunday, that same man who will say then that what you need now is to turn from this and you've got to stop this and start that and do that. And all of a sudden, you have an inconsistency on in the clarity of the gospel, which all of a sudden went from a clear message to a muddy message to an incorrect message, which then ends up in a damnable message. And so my belief is that I would like to so equip you that you would be correct and clear in knowing and communicating and living the gospel. Now let me say it another way. There are those of us that will be on this island for a long time, should the Lord lead us to do that, of course. We got that. But there are others of you who are going to be flying in and flying out. These are our military personnel, which we are very grateful that you're here. You are welcome here. We are honored that you would even come to our church but we also know we don't have you but just for a short period of time. So we have very little time to equip you in all of this. But we care for you and I care for you. So as often as you're coming in, I want to give you another set of eyes, if I can use that, another set of ears. So as you hear the message of salvation, as you read the message of salvation, you will know what is correct and what is not correct. So much so that with a great deal of compassion, you then can correct the other person, clarify the other person so that we can have a broader family, team of people that knows how to present the gospel correctly. So there's an urgent need for this. Confused Christians lack assurance. They prove unfruitful and are in a place of spiritual danger. I want them to know this truth. Here's the last one and kind of begins full circle now. It's because it can actually change lives. 
my desire is to preach this word, but I don't want you to have a, thy word have I hid in my notebook. I want to have thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against the Lord. So I want to change life. If I could say all of this simply, I would say a deep love for God, fervent worship, commitment to evangelism and missions, the ready defense of the gospel, and that it can change our life. These are the reasons why I'm preaching Romans. So I've titled this series, Faith Alone in Christ Alone. Faith Alone in Christ Alone. I'd like to um, invite you to pray for me. I want you to know the struggle that I'm having with this book in a pragmatic way. This is pragmatic now, not doctrinal, but just pragmatism. I have 23 commentaries and books in my own personal library alone on Romans. I have hundreds in my software called Logos that I can access at any time, not to mention what we have on our own theological library on the third floor, 5,000 volumes up there. There's so much out there. I have so much to go through. And so many great men have gone before us, but I want to talk about you right now. Can I talk about you for a moment? I call it the knowledge pyramid. And, and maybe some of you in teaching can co- use the same pyramid, but in your culture. I'm going to call it the knowledge pyramid. Using the term acquaintance, casual, close, and intimate. In this audience of those who are hearing me in Sunday after Sunday, you will fit in in this knowledge pyramid somewhere. Now let's talk about the book of Romans. Some of you will be acquainted with the book. That means you've read it in your index. You might have uh, flipped through it once or twice and you see it in your Bible. Where's Romans now? Is that Old Testament, honey, or New Testament? So you have that acquaintance. I'm blessed because most of you are not there, but if new people come in from other backgrounds of faith journeys, that's where they are, folks, today. The casual friend in the group here will be those who, um, well... They've read through the books maybe once or maybe they've had a preacher or two that would go to the book of Romans and grab a verse out of there to validate his point that he's making on another issue. So you have a casual understanding of Romans, but not much more than that. Then we have those who are close friends. Those are those that studied it in a small group, those that studied in Sunday school. They might even have a preacher that have taken four weeks to go through the book of Romans. So you're a close friend. And then there are those what I call intimate friends. You studied it or heard it preached verse by verse. It was hermeneutically uh, studied, so it's accurately presented. It's taught in the original, from the original languages. The applications are spot on because it's proper interpretation. It took time to do that, intimate friends. Now, here's why I need your prayers. If you were up here in my position to teach a book that we just talked about in the last 45 minutes to an audience like this, can you imagine how hard it is going to be for me? Some of you are going to leave. It's too deep. Some of you are going to leave because it's too shallow. I don't know where you are. I just know I've got a big God. And as I go to my study and I prepare these messages and I extrapolate this information from other places and I put it together with all my study, I promise you I'm going to do the best I can. But even then you have a poor, feeble preacher but I'll do the best I can to scratch everybody where they're itching. So my suggestion is, don't miss a Sunday. And you say, that sounds like legalism. I know you've got to miss. I'm going to miss them too. But when I miss them, I'm not going to miss Romans because I'll just take it with me and give it to you next week. You can get it online. So I want you to know I'd like you to really pray for me, but there's something else I'd like you to pray about, and that is for yourself, for one another here. I'd like you to be deep in prayer about these truths. I'd like to have the greatest possible blessing of the Holy Spirit in this church, on this teaching and from this teaching of Romans. 
for the good of the world, the good of our nation, for the good of the island, for the good of our church right here and all the challenges we may be going through, and for your good now and forever. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit would bless us with a deep understanding with this. So I'm going to take the time to hopefully bring us to become intimate friends. We're going to ask it questions, Romans. We're going to listen to it. We're going to do what it says. We're going to tell others about it. We're going to defend this book until it, till we die. Why? I've already given you the reason so far today. So what can you do now to make the most out of this study? Bring your Bibles. I know guests will come in, and I'll have to put some verses up on the screen, but get a Bible. I'm going to be primarily using the New American Standard Bible. It's my choice for me. And so if you'd like to follow along easily without having to retranslate, bring that. You can have your own and then go home and go back over it when you get home if you'd like. But bring your Bible. Mark your Bible. Share your Bible. Bring a notebook or something to keep notes in. Bring something to write with or even mark in your Bible. Write things down. Ask questions to me. Develop your own personal commentary in the book of Romans. Invite others and fall in love with Jesus Christ. Remember what Barnhouse said. He said that God has always used this book to renew and refresh and revitalize the church. So my prayer is that God will use this book to revitalize me and you and the generations to come until Jesus is here. Well, that's all I wanted to say about today. We're about ready to begin our communion service. And while we're preparing this to serve it to you, here are some things I would like for you to privately bow your heads and pray about. First, I'd like you to pray about is this, is that you would trust Jesus Christ as your Savior so that you would be given an ability now that is only given to those who have trusted Christ as Savior to begin to fully understand this book. Otherwise, you're like a blind person trying to read print. You won't see it as clearly. and definitely will not understand it. So I would pray that you would realize that you're a sinner. You need a Savior. You can't save yourself. And by placing your faith alone in Him... Your sins are forgiven. You have eternal life. So just take God at His word and trust Christ. Do that. Uh, secondly, I'd like you to ask God personally to say, Lord, would you supernaturally change my life? I, I'm not going to force my change. I'm not going to do it in the flesh. I'm not going to do sin management. I'm just saying, Lord, I, I'm scared, but I know you're loving and you're gracious and you're kind and you're merciful. So, Lord, change me as a Christian. Just supernaturally change me. Help me to become like Jesus Christ. I love him with all my heart. You surrender. As we're beginning to take this communion, he died and he rose again. You have the blood and the body of Christ, not actually, but in representation. And he did all of that so the change can happen in your life and mine. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've chosen to communicate to us your word from Genesis to Revelation. We thank you that you have preserved it from error and that we have it today inerrant and sufficient. And yet, Father, we know it's in an English translation, so even from the original, we're still learning how to sort it all out and make sure that we have the very best understanding both today, literally and equivalently. Now, Father, we pray that. We thank you that there'll be no doctrinal changes because all that we need to know is already known. Now we need to begin to study this so that we can know what you want us to know as we move forward. So Lord, I begin by saying, Lord, help me to know that I've got a knowledge pyramid of people in here and they're all over the place and they're going to be coming and going all over the place. So help me to love each person, whatever level they are on that pyramid. 
and to be able to speak into their lives. So, Lord, control me, influence me, teach me, change me. Help me to model that which we're learning. But then, Lord, I pray for us here, that each one of us, we need the blessing of the Holy Spirit to understand this, to empower us, to remind us, to instruct us, to correct us. So, Lord, we yield ourselves to you and the Spirit of God to bring about this change that this letter will make in our life. So, Father, help us to do this. Help us to be patient as we go through this. Help us not to linger longer than we need to. And help us not to speed through it faster than we need to. So, Lord, guide us through all of this. And for the one today that's crying unto you for salvation, trusting in you and you alone for for that, we thank you that by simple faith in you, immediately they have eternal life and that they're sealed forever. Father, prepare our hearts as we now prepare to, in a sense, remember you until you come again. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.